The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? We are officially past the halfway point of the NFL season, and I have two hombres with a lot of takes and a lot of blue on their shirts today. Brian Westbrook, David Ingber. Ingber, are you becoming a Dolphins fan? Is that what you're showing us with your shirt right now? No, what I'm showing you is that this shirt was clean and several of my other shirts that I planned on wearing were not. <laughs> Westbrook, what's the story of your shirt? I, you know, I saw what the Cowboys were able to do last night um, and I, I feel bad for them. I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie. So I, I signed up to be the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys because nice. of what they put on the field. I could probably do the exact same thing. Suck. Breaking news, the Dallas Cowboys, broken by Jane Slater. Brian Westbrook will be the quarterback. Um, lot, lot of games. I, you know, look, can, I actually want to talk about something not football first, so I don't mean to pull a direct stop. Uh, I've realized that I am in a football bubble where all I'm thinking about is football about 98% of the time, and there is an election tomorrow. I don't need to know who you're rooting for. I don't need, eh, I mean, I think I know who you voted for. But my my question is, what is this like? Because this is historic. This is 2020. I am in Manhattan. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably asking because I'm a little bit afraid because I'm seeing a lot of things around me get boarded yeah. up. So I'm just curious, what is the energy like for you guys? I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried too. I, I'm the same way they're doing in Manhattan. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I just, the one thing that I want, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I voted for who I voted for, but no matter who wins, I want it to be peace. I want it to be a situation where I can talk to uh, white people, black people, Chinese people, everyone in their peace. There's not uh, a, a, a hard line of, of hatred between any of us. That's what all I want. Um, despite no matter who, who becomes elected at this point. David? Uh, The main thing that I'm reading about is the historic turnout for young voters ages 18 to 29. And that seems to be very good news for one side and terrifying news for the other side. And I just want to say that if young people coming out to vote, the people that are going to be living with our society for the next several decades, if that's a terrifying prospect for you, you might want to revisit your policies because these are the people who are voting for their future and their children's future. Hopefully, your policies would align in a way that would make young people very excited to continue living in this country. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, it's really weird to be in a city where the, the stores are protecting themselves. I've been working out of an office uh, every a few days a week uh, down in, like, the West Village area. And the guy hit me up and said, listen, we're not opening this week. We're going to keep it locked up. And it's it's just interesting that, like, I don't – I remember – that election day was a holiday. Like one, as a kid, you didn't go to school. So like that was really cool because your school, my school got turned into a polling place. I also remember like the next day, like this big celebration moment. And um, I'm just, 
it, it, this feels like none of that. This feels like there's a really big exam and I'm about to find out if the nation passed or failed. Like that's, you know what I mean? And like, but it's never been like that. For me, it was always one option. Like both options will take us into a new direction. But I, I'm also thinking just from the football perspective, um, if Trump is elected with things that he said about NFL players in the past and the fact that it, you know, Everyone's saying it's going to last 79 days until inauguration in January and all that. How will that impact all these players? You know, these are players that said that they want to, you know, what, what's it going to do to them? So it, it it's weird because I've been so focused on football. I haven't thought about what will be the ripple effects either way with what happens in this country and, and the way it impacts the Here's NFL. Here's something that I thought, and this has absolutely nothing to do with well, it does. When I saw uh, Little Wayne with Donald Trump just the other day, yeah, that fuck you up. I, that fuck you up. I'm, I was lost. First of all, I mean, I, I'm, I'm. Anyone that's taking their voting advice from Little Wayne probably needs to look a little bit deeper. Um, but just to see, it just didn't seem like those two would would be coming together for a photo op. at and at, at this point, well, I. Ingrid, did you have something else you wanted to add there? Anything? Oh, just I was just laughing because SNL had a really funny joke about Lil Wayne about, you know, like they wouldn't ask Gilbert Gottfried for his thoughts on the Middle East. It was just sort of like <laughs> he's he's a rapper. He's not a political right. leader. I don't you know, it's it's the old Chappelle joke. It's like, and what is Ja Rule <laughs> right. at a time like this? But it, I I always, you know, when, when, once you get into mini camps and training camps, I always talk about whoa, big off season. You know, this has been the last few weeks. It's a lot. And so I, I want to say that it, um, we, as a society, have been going through a lot. And I heard uh, Robert Greene, who wrote The 48 Laws of Power, actually say about this generation that I thought was, and my generation, I guess, which was millennials. He didn't refer to them as, a, as millennials. He called them the, uh, the tragedy generation. And I was like, what? And I, I didn't know. And then it was like, my my existence has been defined by September 11th, Wall Street, um, another Wall Street. What's going on right now with Trump and the divide, like, and and Corona, and I, you know, I guess I'm desensitized to it. And for me, it's like I saw my parents this past week, and I could see how much it was weighing on them. When I look at little kids on the street that don't know no better, and they're just you know walking around. It's it it it, it kind of hit me out of nowhere as I'm watching my Tennessee Titans pick blow up and I'm getting emotionally upset about that. I'm like thinking about society and I was like, man, I hope all the, I hope the 33 percent everybody out there is okay because we've been going through a lot of shit. 2020 has been rough for everyone, and we could kind of trace it back even further. But when you just talk about this year, so many loved ones have passed, so many crazy things have happened. A lot of people have lost money, jobs, opportunities. You know, I just hope, and, and I'll leave it at this, I just hope that moving forward, we're much, much better uh, a year from now, six months from now, a couple months from now than we are today. So I, that's one of my number one hopes. And shout out to the people with kids out there, because no matter what you're going through, you got to put on an act for your kids. You got to like be in a good mood. Oh. You got to, you know, have a fun bedtime, have fun bath time. You can't just like let it get you down. And it's like you almost... Yeah, did you guys go like all out for? Well, well, before we go there, I'm not qualified to be a homeschool teacher, so I don't know <laughs> how we, how I got told for this. But please do not sign me up for this next year. Hold on, so because Candace, I was talking with Candace Parker recently, and she was like, "I'm exhausted from all this yeah. schoolwork," and I was like, "I thought they're in class." 
And she's like, Adam, they're children. And so like, I think about like, I'm worried about myself, but I know that you guys have these little babies all over the place. That's, and yeah, you can't, you can't be afraid. That's I can't crazy. explain the concept of voter suppression and gerrymandering to a three-year-old as, <laughs> as smart and precocious as I think she is. These are the things that are on my mind. And, and she's like, hi, Dada. And I'm like, you know what? Let's eat some oatmeal. Let's have a good morning because I don't want to explain to you all the million things that are rattling around in my brain right now. It's a lot going on. To be honest, that's a YouTube. <laughs> True. Is you you try to explain gerrymandering to Lucy, and then however whatever she says, that's the end of the video. Man, okay, so it is good to focus on football, especially when me and Westbrook are rooting for the best team in the NFL individually. That's right. We're not talking about the Eagles because, well, as I tweeted last night, when you beat your hated rival by double digits to secure a game lead in your division entering the bye as everyone gets healthy and it still feels like crap, I don't want to talk about it right now. So let's talk about Brian Westbrook's favorite team, the continued undefeated 7-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Westbrook, as a longtime Steelers fan, how does that feel? Great win. We knew it was going to be a physical game. We knew we were going to get Lamar Jackson and all that he entails. J.K. Dobbin, he's starting to rise my list about young running backs that we got to watch a little bit. I don't know that Ben had a great game defensively. I don't know that we had a great game defensively either. Gave up a bunch of yards rushing. But finding a way to win, there has to be something to say about that. They're finding a way to win in a tougher environment, on the road, against a good team. You have to say that. You also got to talk a little bit about Mike Tomlin. He held that thing together last year, right? You talk about all the different quarterbacks. I mean, Duck and all these other guys that that played, and they figured out a way to get 8-8, eight eight, right? Especially because of that defense. You, you get in Minka Fitzpatrick, they play well. They figure out a way to get 8-8. Eight eight. They come back this year, and nobody knew what Ben was going to be. We saw him in the offseason being big. Now he's small. Now he's, you know, he's playing well. You know, I just – Tommy Johnson. Yeah, I mean, surgery, of course – it's just good to see that team come together. But I'm more excited for Mike Tomlin. In 10 years, I believe he's been there, has never had a season under 500, which, listen, better. I mean, better. That, that's crazy. 14. Four, 14. Well, that's even, 14. That's even worse. I mean, even better. I mean, just think about it. Some, think of some of the best coaches that we've had. We'll see Bill Belichick here, what he's going to end up doing. He's had seasons under 500. Mike Tomlin, um, continued success to you, brother. I'm, I'm so happy for that football team. He actually became the winningest minority coach in NFL history last night. He uh, passed Tony Dungy. So congratulations to Coach Tomlin. Absolutely. Think about that. He was a defensive coordinator for Tony Mm -hmm. Dungy when they went to the Super Bowl with the Bucs. But 14 straight years of a non-losing season. And, And guys, he did it last year as a defensive coach with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Like that, like that really is incredible. I also think it's incredible. Uh, Ingber was kind enough to do the stats about the record of the Steelers versus the Ravens with and without Ben Roethlisberger. If you have that call it up any time. Yeah, well, it's just because we, um, we talk about the Ravens versus the Steelers as a very even rivalry, especially over the last decade or so. But Big Ben has missed some time and the Ravens have taken advantage there. The Steelers are actually 16 and 10 against the Ravens with Big Ben, and they are 1-9 and nine without him. In 2012, uh, they won with Charlie Batch. That was a great tweet from Ian Whitestone. Mm-hmm. So for me, I see a Ravens team yesterday that 
if you take away that first pick six to start the game, this is a Ravens team that was controlling the flow of the game completely. I mean, they had over 240 rushing yards. Uh, they were really doing whatever they wanted. But then you get this Steelers team that ratcheted up a little bit. They, they, they were sacking Lamar. I think they had three sacks in the first quarter. But it was the offense that came alive. It was rainy in the first quarter, dried up in the third and fourth. And then we find out that Big Ben is drawing plays in the dirt. And I, I was wondering because, again, as somebody very invested in Chase Claypool, like I watched Chase Claypool and I started seeing Ben coming out of the huddle and just going like this. <laughs> like it was the old Ben Roethlisberger when the defense sucked and they had to put up 30-40 with Antonio Brown where he was just going up to every receiver and telling them exactly what to do. And Ben is in that beautiful part of a career where the game is really, really slow. And Ben right now, everyone's going to talk about the fact that he can't throw it deep. The thing is, is Chase Claypool allows him to throw it deep because he really is that much of a 50-50 guy. But this Steelers team, my only concern, because I really think that they're Super Bowl cal caliber and I really think that they've officially hopped the Ravens and it's them and the Chiefs, is they lost Devin Bush last week. And now I'm watching Cam Hayward rolling around for the entire second half of the game. And while this is a great defensive line, I would argue the best in the NFL, it's always been shallow. It has always been Hayward to it. And then last year it was Hargrave, who's now on the Eagles. Uh, but there, there was interior three guys, Williams. Now, if Hayward is out, that's a, if you're missing Hayward and Bush, it's we just saw them let up 240 rushing yards to the Ravens. So that is my one knock, but I thought it was a great game. And my only other question is something Westbrook said last week, which was I'm really having doubts about Lamar Jackson's ability to throw the ball consistently. That was my it's an that issue. was literally my biggest takeaway. That you know, coming into the season, the question for the Ravens is it's never gonna be can you play defense? Because they're always gonna be physical, they're gonna be dominant on the defensive side of the ball. It's never gonna be can you run the ball? Obviously. You have a, a group of running backs there, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and when Mark Ingram comes back healthy, he'll be back in the mix. And, of course, what Lamar can do. The, 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 here's the biggest question. How good can Lamar be? You know, you could talk about the offensive coordinator. You can talk about, you know, Lamar running. But can he throw the ball? And can he be in a situation if their defense is not dominant? Because, again, the margin for error for that defense is so small that you have to be dominant. And how will it be now that his starting left tackle, who yes, just got $99 million is out for the season? Thank goodness he signed the contract, right? I mean, he could have waited oh, out I for more so money. I was so happy. This is the second time this has happened yeah. this season. Ronnie Stanley and Tariq Cohen both signed contracts the week they got yeah, injured. I mean, so when I, when I watch Lamar, there are times where his mechanics are all over the place. And obviously, you see the sidearm throws a bunch. And there's times where he just doesn't step and throw. My concern for him and, that, and that, that team is simply this. If you get down 14 points, and based on the way that I saw some of these referees call uh, pass defensive pass interference down the field, that's very easily can happen versus any team. Just throw it up and, and allow your guys to just go fight for it, and you get the flag. You can be down 14. At that point, can Lamar bring the team back if they take away the run game? That's going to be a big question. I, I, now, this is the thing about Lamar. I, I believe that we are at a, an interesting turning point for Lamar. 
Like I know personally, I'm debating offering a trade for him in fantasy mm, okay. because I don't know if Lamar is going to have what happened to him and go, it's time for me to go super crazy. Like he had a run in the fourth quarter that was called back by a hold. It was a 25 yard touchdown that happened in the blink mm-hmm. of an eye. And when it happened, I went, Kyler can't do so that. fast. Like none of the mobile quarterbacks yep. can do that. And, and there are moments where he turns into like a leaner, longer striding Michael mm-hmm. Vick, where you go, that is truly just beautiful. I don't know if he's about to turn it on for the second half of the season or if it's just going to go away. I don't know where Mark Andrews is. I know that uh, Hollywood Brown had a tweet that he pulled after the game in which he said, what's the point of having soldiers if you're never going to use them? So I either it's going to explode or we are going to have really long-lasting questions about Lamar. And right now I'm leaning to the latter. You know, one of the things that I love about Kansas City, even about the Steelers, they have different ways they can win a game. And, you know, the Steelers, their, their running game is a work in progress and they'll get it going from time to time. But certainly uh, the Chiefs, they have a way that they can run the ball and win. You saw the Chiefs do that against the Bills a few weeks ago. And, of course, you know what Patrick Mahomes can do throwing the football. The, the, uh, the biggest question for the Ravens is, is there any other way? If they're not dominant defensively and dominant with the run game, can they win a shootout? Is there another way that they can do it? What happens if Lamar, for some crazy reason, gets his ankle dinged up? It happens all the time. What if he just ankle gets dinged up and he's not able to run with the same type of speed and quickness? At that point, what happens to this offense? Hmm. You uh, led me to my favorite team, which, man, we really pick them, don't we? We do. The Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) When you're favored by 19 and you pretty much double it, Patrick Mahomes, 400-plus, 50 touchdowns. um, It just – it's this beautiful work of art that the Ravens last year had this vibe too. Where the Ravens, it just felt like everybody eats, hate, like, and it, it, it just feels like there's a wave of weapons that go over a defense. And then Lamar was picking them apart. And Mahomes has been doing it and it's just never stopped. And I don't know if it can stop. It's, it's the perfectly formed basketball team of weapons with, with Travis Kelsey across the middle as like your, your three, four, you have Tyree kill as like your shooting guard that goes off for like 40. Uh, and you have all these other weapons, like the fact that CEH and Le'Veon Bell are back there and you got like, I don't know, man. I don't know if any, if, and I don't know if Mahomes ever going to slow down. Is Mahomes ever going to slow down Westbrook? It's, it's just hard to think that he is. I mean, he has so much talent around him. That's the most important thing. When you have talent around me, around you and you're average, you can still make it work. But when you have talent around you and you're super talented like he is, that means it's something explosive. You, you know, it, you may start to make me think of teams that it was just hard to figure they would lose. And you talk about basketball. Rams. I, well, not the Rams. I'm talking about basketball. I was oh. thinking about the UNLV uh, running Rebels from back in the day. Uh, um, it, it was just – Augman and, and and Larry Johnson and Greg Anthony, they had just a bunch of guys that just were ballers, just put them on the court, throw the ball out, and allow them to go. Um, seems like the same thing for the Kansas City Chiefs, just allow them to just be who they are. And, and at some point, they're going to get Le'Veon Bell continue to be a big part of this offense. At some point, he will be a big part. It'll be interesting to watch this team continue to develop. 
This Chiefs team, and I know Ingber has some stats that he can unload the clip on right now, but this Chiefs team gives me the vibes of the Rams in 99. It gives me the vibes of the Colts in the early 2000s. It gives me the vibes of the Chiefs when Trent Green was there with Tony Gonzalez and Priest Holmes and all those guys. It gives me the vibes of the Patriots in 2007. But guess what? This quarterback can run also like, like Trent Green and Kurt Warner and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were standing back there and were executing. This kid is doing it and he can run for like 50, 70 yards if he wants to. This, this offense to me is the most impressive offense that I've ever seen in my life. And it's because Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And I'm willing to talk about it every week. I will have this conversation every week because just like 2020 is a monumental time in like the world of, of so, and it'll be in history books. So will the career of Patrick Mahomes. That's how special this is. And I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this go by. Like this is, this is young LeBron. Like this is what it feels like right now. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Patrick Mahomes, uh, I don't really care. Patrick, it's the fact. Patrick Mahomes, it, listen, I, I, I'm not, I can't sit here and tell you that Patrick Mahomes is not just, he is a man. We understand that. But he was so blessed to be able to be drafted to a situation where he can sit for a little bit and he has oh weapons just around God. him. I, I mean, that, that's, that's important. That's a big part of his success. And, and think about some of these other young guys. And, and I was thinking about it earlier. Justin Herbert. Mike Williams and Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, point. Hunter Henry. Yeah, he's got a he lot has of, a weapons. Bunch of weapons. That's why, and that's part of the reason he's playing so well. Same thing with Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, AJ Green to a certain extent. He has weapons around him. Baker Mayfield had Injoku, Austin. Baker Mayfield's Jarvis not good. Henry, Odell Beckham, he's Nick not in the month. category. That's what he's I'm not. saying. Other people have had well, weapons. Well, Baker Mayfield's not good. That's the problem. He's not even on any of those other rookie quarterbacks' level. He's not good. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is not good. I'm just saying we also got to take into account that he has a bunch of weapons around him, too. We got to take that into account. And that's fine. And that's fine. But I he's doing it with Byron Pringle. You know what I mean? He threw a touchdown yesterday to Demarcus speed, Robinson. Speed, and I know that people speed. get opened I mean, up. I mean, come on. I mean, you got to recognize his speed. And they get opened up because of all the other things that they have on their team. Yesterday, yesterday, my Baptist minister that brought me into chief's kingdom travis mm -hmm. kelsey became the second tight end in terms of getting to seven thousand yards fastest tyreek hill now has 23 touchdowns of 40 or more yards tying him with randy moss for his career and tyreek hill is 26 i have seen a lot of guys go to a lot of situations with a lot of weapons and not even execute I have seen some guys have moments where they've gotten there. Patrick Mahomes has done it every doggone game, to quote Brian Dawkins. It's, where, where do you believe Patrick Mahomes will finish when all is said and done? Well, he's going to have. I believe that he's already top 10. Yeah, he'll, he'll have to win a couple more Super Bowls. I mean, to be able to be legitimately at the top, top of the list. Why? Who, who, so who's up there? Um, Marino ain't got one, so he's better than Marino. Next. Uh, Tom Brady. Drew Brees. Okay, Peyton sure. Manning. I mean, Drew this Brees. is the, same, the regular Drew Brees characters. has one. Drew Brees has yeah. one. 
and a career worth of achievements. I mean, again, you can't can't stop here. If Patrick Mahomes continues to play well, absolutely, he'll be on that list. I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just arguing that we have to say if we're playing a game, he has. If we're playing a game outdoors. If we're playing a game outdoors at any time of their careers, and let's say it's a balmy 44 degrees, are you trusting Drew Brees? This is historically one of the like, like there is a flaw with every great quarterback except Mahomes. The, if the flaw is that he had really good teammates around him, like then what is Steve no, Young? No. Then what is Joe Montana? They had Bill Walsh and Jerry was Rice. Was Tom Brady's flaw that he was too handsome? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> Too much of a dividend right. on the chin. Westbrook is in an argument that he didn't even want to argue. <laughs> I, I think just, that I'm I not arguing. You're, you're arguing my point. Yeah, I know. Point, I'm, I'm so like, but this, what are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm with. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is legit. Um, I, I, I will say this, and this is a big question for you: What's their kryptonite? And it is. It has to be that rush three, drop eight. I mean, can can they solve that? And that's going to come back up in the playoffs. Absolutely. Here's here's the yeah, other part. But at the same time, the Tennessee Titans mm. may come back up into play at some point once they get their legs back from playing three games in 13 days last week. Once they get their legs back, if you can get a running game going against this Kansas City Chiefs team, take the ball out of their hands, it may be a different outcome. I'll just say this the blueprint to beat the Chiefs is, and tell me if you agree with this. Really strong running game that keeps Patrick Mahomes off yeah. the field, and then a defense that can get a pass rush with their front and then drop everybody back. Is that it? I, I, that, so then let me ask you how last year in the playoffs, the Chiefs faced double digit leads in every single game against Derrick Henry and the Titans, San Francisco and that defensive line in the playoffs. The Houston Texans were up 24 nothing, and yet they did it every single time. So what I'm saying is, is in the playoffs, Playoffs, when it's supposed to be harder, including the Super Bowl, those three game plans were executed and they all failed. And that's why I'm telling you, I don't think you can beat him. You just need to get lucky and I hope he doesn't, that his receivers drop balls. That can happen. Yeah, that, that can happen. That felt you, real- you keep running the ball if you're the Titans. You keep, keep running the ball in the second half. If, if Bill O'Brien's not the coach of the Texans, that may be a part of it. In the 49ers, come on, Jimmy G, you had a great three and a half quarters. Have a good have finish your game. Yeah. Can I yell about one more guy? You're mad. Are you mad? Me? You're mad at me. I'm I'm no no no. You you will know when I'm mad at you. This is not me. I'm not mad at you at all. You're annoyed. Why would I be annoyed? We're we're actually agreeing. You are mad at something else. I I have no clue what you're mad at. We're agreeing. I I don't know. I'm I'm just telling you to think about all the weapons that he has because the reason why I brought that up is because when the dra- the Jets draft Trevor Lawrence, he won't have a damn weapon on his team. He won't have these guys, and maybe the success that we compare him to against Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, they don't have those types of weapons. Trevor Lawrence and Allen Robinson on the Jets. Let's put maybe. that. Let's put, put that. that. Out there, right. That would feel good. Okay, I have one last guy because I I think the thing is is you talked about Mike Tomlin. And like the, the amount of disrespect that like I feel like his job was on the line every year. And then when you look at it, you zoom out and you realize he's had 14 straight years of non-losing seasons. I think about Tyreek Hill and about how everybody says he's not even a wide receiver. Like he's not even a top five guy. And I'm like, he's the scariest guy in the NFL at any moment. Uh, and then there's one more guy that I think needs to get respect. And it's maybe the one one of the few guys that I'd say is really up there with the Patrick Mahomes conversation all time. I think this guy will be a top fiver. We need to realize 
how historically great Russell Wilson is. Like it's something that we need to do. And it's not just about, oh, wow, he's never got an MVP before. Yesterday, he officially joined a club. There's only three people in it of 250 touchdowns in their first nine seasons. That club, Dan Marino, Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson. Dan Marino and Peyton Manning, nobody started their careers faster. Well, guess what? Wilson is on that same trajectory. And then in terms of winning seasons through nine seasons, he tied Tom Brady. And he tied Tom Brady. Tom Brady finished his ninth season with this many wins. Russell Wilson still has like eight games left. So in terms of touchdowns, he's on par with Manning and, and Manning and uh, Marino. And in terms of wins, he's on par with Tom Brady. Russell Wilson is on par. And when you look at touchdown to interception ratio, he's better than all of them. Russell Wilson is on pace to be a top five quarterback in the history of the NFL. And I, I, this is not just, hey, let's give him the MVP this season. It's get the steamer out because we need to get the gold jacket ready. That's where Russell Wilson is. There's no doubt. You, can, you can't deny his talent. I, I was on Twitter arguing with people probably about a week ago saying that he's the best deep ball thrower that the NFL has ever seen. I'm talking about the prettiest, most catchable ball him, Warren Moon, Justin Herbert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I'll say this. He just – Herbert's deep balls. Get yeah, he, he has a great arm. But I, I just think he has a, a great arm. He's smart. He's strategic as far as when to throw it. He also understands that he just has the man child out there on the edge. And if he just gives him a chance, just throw it up long enough and high enough and he can go run underneath it. Um, it's been pretty cool to watch uh, Russell Wilson do it too. Because there were doubts about him. It, it, was, it wasn't his team early on in his career. It was a defense leading to right. boom, then the run game. And then he just continues to get better. And he don't say anything. You never hear from him. He just gets better and better and better. He'll throw out a tweet every now and then. And then I see Sierra doing her thing with those beautiful kids that they have. It, it's, I mean, super excited for Russell. Let's talk about DK Metcalf. Um, and I think it's important to start us off with a foundation of statistical anomaly. Ingber, how crazy was DK Metcalf? This actually isn't a stat. This is just from Bomani Jones, who I think has like one of the most level-headed, best tweeter in sports media. He just mentioned during the game, because we were just talking about Mahomes and his weapons and getting drafted into the exact right position. Bomani wrote, if a guy as physically gifted as DK slipped in the draft, there was a reason. Was a classic case of production not matching talent, more likely that he's improved than every team in the NFL is run by idiots, even if many of them are. I think that's so true. And we can't say enough about how Russell Wilson turned DK Metcalf into who DK Metcalf is today, as much as DK Metcalf has helped Russell Wilson's stats, of course. Absolutely. So as DK Metcalf went wild yesterday, my Philadelphia group chat was, I can't believe we passed up on him. The same conversation over and over again. And I asked them, I said, do you believe DK would be where right. he is with Carson Wentz and not Russell Wilson? Would Russell Wilson, from the day DK got drafted, brought him under his wing? I remember that weekend. They were at UCLA, and there was a video of DK running down with a camera running with him, and you're just seeing them go back and forth. And DK, after the game comes out and says, Russell Wilson's MVP season's back on track, they, they are like older brother and younger brother. And DK, probably because he fell that far, was completely open to that type of mentorship. 
Would he have that same connection with Carson Wentz? I'm going to go on a limb and say no. And I think Westbrook, you'd agree with me. Yeah, he, he absolutely I still would. think he'd be good, but I don't think he'd be where he is. You, you hit on something that I think is so important. And we talk about Donovan and T.O., how that relationship kind of fell apart. We knew, and, and this is from the inside, when we were clicking that first year, Donovan and T.O., they were together all the time. I'm talking about on the field, off the field, hanging out, doing different things. That was how the relationship was, similar to Russell Wilson and D.K. Metcalf, right? And, you know, I don't know that there are anybody except for Zach Ertz these last few years that was that close to Carson Wentz. And now they're not as close. And, of course, Zach Ertz isn't catching very many balls. And, of course, he's, he's yeah. injured too. But that relationship between quarterback and receiver is so critical. Just having the same mind, Reggie Wayne, uh, Peyton Manning, you know, Tom Brady, and you talk about Randy Moss when he was going deep. I mean, just having the same thought process, Marvin Harrison, same thing with Peyton. They understand what defense they're getting. They also understand a quick hand signal, what route to run, Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's that's the type of relationship that you have to have. Maybe that probably is not a great one because I know they ended up beefing at the end. But these two guys are now in a situation where they're both learning from each other, then they both want to be great together. They don't want to be great separately. DK Metcalf is not saying that, hey, I want to be the best receiver in the world without Russell Wilson, and I can do it without him. Russell Wilson can't be saying the same thing. He's saying together we can be better, and that, that's why this relationship continues to work. This is so funny. The comparisons with DK and T.O. continue. Of course. T.O.'s first quarterback was Steve Young. Mm -hmm. And Russell Wilson, if there was a, a comp before Russell Wilson, because he, he kind of has created a new comp, it's Steve Young. And like I said before the year, if Russell Wilson this season threw for 3,500 yards and ran for 350, he would pass Steve Young in both categories. And we can all admit that that's definitely going to happen that's on happening. both fronts. And, and you, the age gap is so big. Russell Wilson, now, when T.O. had Steve Young, Steve Young was 35. Russell Wilson's 30. And so Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are uniquely positioned with D.K. Metcalf and Devontae Adams where they went a certain amount of years knowing what it's like to not have a true number one. <laughs> and now that they have it, they use them all the time. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy? It seems like Russell Wilson has been in the league for 20 years, but he's only 30. I mean, it, yeah. just, it, it seems like he's been around for that long. He's been good for that long. It also thinks him and, him and Big Ben started, they were, they were starters immediately on playoff yeah. teams. And so we've seen them because we've seen so many extra seasons because they never didn't make the playoffs. The Legion of Boom, just think about it. That seems like years ago, years ago. And... If you see Cliff Averill right now, he looks like you. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. If he's a good-looking man, you're saying? No, I mean, he, he, he looks like a running oh, back. He's a defensive oh, end. Oh, like all these former guys. Like Earl Thomas is getting spun around by Derrick. He does have that, too. He's a good, good guy. man, then. Obviously, that's what you're trying to say. Right, David? You're better just, looking. Just yeah. wanted you to know that Russell Wilson is 31, not 30. So 31. I hope that doesn't negate everything you were saying about his future. But, uh, yeah, he is not 30. <laughs> Don't you think? Don't you think Russell Wilson's going to play until he's like forty-four? His game seems like it. I mean, he runs, but he's smart. Always is sliding. Knows how to protect. I have himself. a bet. I have a bet from before the year that Russell Wilson will play past forty. 
Or we'll play another. If he's spending a million dollars a year on his physical wellness, I would hope that he yes. can play until forever, at least 42, 43, 45, whatever. How many Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes Super Bowls will we have going forward? Do you think that Seattle's good enough to win the NFC? Just off the top of your head. I think, I think that they have. Uh, a team capable. Do I think that they are the favorite? We're recording this on Monday. I need to see how the Bucks look tonight. But tell me another team in the NFC right now that's really impressing you that much. I want to say the Saints, but I wasn't impressed. I haven't been as suppressed with the Saints no. for the last couple of weeks. If if Drew, the Saints are five and two, but if Drew Brees has to play outside, yeah, we saw what that. No quarterback looks colder than Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. he, he, he's just blowing on his hands. Like he looks uncomfortable all the, so who else is there? They just beat the Niners. The Rams only beat the NFC East, the Cardinals. They did just lose to yeah. the Cardinals, but I think you would take the, the Seahawks. If you flipped a coin 10, times. I would, I would say that green Bay has a chance, but other than that, green Bay and the bucks, maybe that, that was the only people. The one thing that worries me about Seattle is their defense and they can be, you yeah. know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, they can be that way. But they're getting, but they still have, they've missed Jamal Adams these last three, four mm -hmm. weeks. So they're getting Jamal Adams back, Carlos Dunlap, and uh, Snacks Harrison. So I just, I think the, the Chiefs feel like the best team. They just both feel like it's up to the other team to score with them. You know what the Chiefs? Like, I feel like they control the The Chiefs feel like they've been the best team since last season and they just continue to roll, right? I feel like so. Answer my question: How many Super Bowls do we get between Russell well, Wilson I'm and Mahomes? Over under one and a half. I feel like the Seahawks are will continue to get better as this season goes on, and so they still haven't hit their stride yet this year. And so by the time end of December, there'll be a much better team. How many Super Bowls? Um, over under one and a half. <sighs> so I would bang good. that over between the two of them. I would take the under if it was playing against season. each other. No, they face they face I'll each other. I'll take the other. under. I'll go under. Yeah, there's just too many weird things that can happen if yeah. you're talking about both teams making the Super Bowl in the same year. If you're talking about total rings, though, way over one and a half. I'll make this bet. I'm going to take the over. I think that they face each other twice, no. which is a ridiculous statement. Well, that means Seattle's going to have to get there twice, which I, I don't know that they can. I, I don't know. We don't know that yet. I just think that when you look at an offensive line starting to come together, you look at Russell Wilson, I think he's got 10 more years left in him. This connection with DK, like Tyler Lockett will be there and they're going to be able to figure out pieces. Once you have DK, everything kind of figures out behind it. And I think the defense, I just, I look at Seattle and I look at them the same way that I look at Kansas City, Pittsburgh, uh, these teams that just, I don't think they're ever going to fall off. They just, they have a really good core to them. All right. I guess I'm in the minority. Um, our Eagles. Let, let's get to it why, now. Why do we even um, have to talk about them again? Because they're in first they place and first we have to. And because like when you Dallas, say things about the, the Eagles, there's a lot of Eagles podcasts that listen to you. Like what you say matters. It's crazy. Well, you know, I had a big – did I tell you guys about this last week? <clears throat> I had a big argument with some Eagles fans last week on Twitter. I, I think we talked about this, right? That I said Oh, because about of Boston, Boston Scott. And they wanted me to acknowledge that Carson is this, that, and the other. And so this week, I, had, I didn't say anything about Carson at all. And I'm getting millions of messages like, see, Westbrook, you were right, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, you know, Carson, 
you paid him, you drafted him early, and he has to be better. Fifth year in, plain and simple. If he's not better than what we saw last night, they have to get rid of him, period. I'm, I'm, and, and this is just the God's honest truth. If he's not better than that, and this is kind of obvious, if he's going to turn the ball over four times, then, then of course you got to get rid of him. But his decision-making, just the things that he's doing, like, oh, throw the ball away. Oh, guess what? If it's a bad play, you can't throw the ball to the other team when you're in scoring position. These are bad decisions from a veteran quarterback that should know better. It's, it's all bad for them in Philadelphia at this point. It's, it's interesting because the Dallas win by double digits felt like the Washington loss in terms of our defense is clearly dominating that side mm-hmm. of the football. And whether it was Haskins or Danucci, there was no fear. The only way that you lose that game is if Carson Wentz loses that game. And last night, the defense bailed him out. And then in week one, he threw the pick sixes. And, and so that's really been the theme of this year is Carson. I feel like at the end of last year was so in that mindset of, I need to do everything to get a win that it's carried over and now it's like, no, we're in position to easily win these games. Stop losing. So the problem that I have with that, and and I agree with you, he he is in a position where he feels like he has to go win the game. That means he's, he has no grip on reality. You're facing a rookie across the field from you that has never started a game in the NFL. He has no, can I, can I ask you a question? I'm going to do some, I'm going to do, this is going to be an Eagles investigation where imagine that me and Westbrook, Westbrook is sitting at a table in a police station and there's a, a light on him and I walk in the room and I'm here for answers. Okay. Ingber already came in. He gave you a hot coffee. He was a good cop, bad cop time. Westbrook, have you talked to people in the organ, Eagles organization about Wentz's brain and whether or not they think he has an advanced mind to play NFL quarterback? I have. I've had that conversation a few times, especially early on in his career. And and this was a consensus throughout the entire organization. He's the smartest quarterback that we've ever had. He's one of the smartest guys that we've had on our team. Has never got a B on a test. He's on that level of intelligence. And when you talk about football, you put him on the board, he can do anything. He can tell you cover two. Cover so then, all, he, he so passes then all those what do tests. they say about what happens to his brain out there? Well, he thinks he's a gunslinger, and he makes terrible decisions. And a big part of quarterback position is your decision. People making. are telling him to stop. People are telling of him to stop. Of course they're telling him to stop. Doug Peterson said, listen, we don't need him to do that. It's simple. We don't need you to do these things. We don't need you to do a pirouette, roll to the right, and throw the ball into the end zone. We don't need you to do that. Throw the ball away. We'll take the three points. What we can't afford to do with this bad uh, situation that we have with the offensive line and playing against a bad football team is throw the ball to the other team. We can't afford to do that. Take the punt. Take the three points. You can't turn the ball over. Here's a, here's a, a, a novel idea. Because this is turning into an abusive relationship. Here, here's a good idea for Carson. The first turnover, the fumble. You're rolling out. There's nobody on the left side of the field. Literally nobody there. He's pointing. I don't even know who he's pointing to. He's pointing to people in the stands. There's nobody there. At that point, throw the ball away. There's no play to be made. That's your decision making. That's your thought process. 
That's a big-time error, big-time flaw for quarterbacks. And for Carson to continue to do this week after week uh. after week and then come into the media and say, you know what, I need to do better, and Doug says the same thing, that means you can't learn. It would be hard for me to play with a player like that, really hard. When you Have you had moments with your children where they just can't learn something? Um. I'm being serious. No, there's been times where I'm like, you know, just, I mean, we're talking small things. I get, my kids are young. Um, Brian, you're not eating candy every morning. I don't care if, you know, things like, things like that. <laughs> but it's, it's like, I'll give you an example. And I was telling my boy this. And so we, we all, we had all these dogs and we were training the dogs and things like that. And I said, I just can't get my dog to stop chasing these cats. They're all around me. They keep chasing these cats all the time. And he was like, what, what's wrong with you? It's, it's just innate. That's what they do. It's, it's bred into them. They chase cats all the time. That's, that's who they are. For Carson Wentz, that's who he is. He, he thinks that he's this guy that has to go be a gunslinger and go win every single game. And I'm telling you right now, you cannot win consistently uh, in the NFL like that. That's a big-time flaw. I, I, I said on a podcast that the rest of the Eagles season will – my joy will be determined by how Jalen Rieger does. Because if he ends up, and I may have said on this podcast, if he ends up exploding and being great, then there's reason for optimism, and I'll, I have reasons to really get mm-hmm. invested. Did you? What did you see from him last night? Jalen Rager will always be tied to yeah. this show and draft night. Um, I, his ability on that touchdown to, to, as he was going out of bounds, stretch his arm out like that got me very excited mm-hmm. uh the pass at the end of the game it felt like man do you know how excited philly would have been if he would have caught a bomb like that at the end to win by even more um but the fact that he didn't bring it in kind of upsets me but where, where did you stand after watching him last well night? you gotta also think about a young kid who had no preseason got hurt after a couple of weeks so he hasn't played a bunch i'm talking about nfl experience this probably was his was second or third full game. So, I mean, this is – it's a guy that's young. But what I can tell automatically is that he's athletic. He has certainly has speed. I think he has good hands despite dropping a ball, I think, last night. Um, I think he has that wiggle. He has that it. He has that thing that's going to make him a very good player in, in the league. So, I, I'm not very concerned with him. Um, I, I don't know that we'll see the best out of Jalen Rieger this season. He'll get an all-season underneath his belt. He'll be a much better player next year. Hold on. We have a tag team. We have Travis Fulgham, and we have Jalen Rager. Fulgham's legit. And I'm going to be He's honest. That's, that's a little Ocho Cinco TJ Hushmanzada action going on. That Those two little Bash brothers, like little little Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, I don't know. I, I really like those He can two. go up and get the 50-50 ball. He runs good routes. He never drops the ball. He's always in the – he can be a possession receiver at times as well. And most importantly – that continuity with the quarterback, we talked about the relationship with DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson. Carson believes in him, yeah. period. I mean, there, there's nothing else you can say about that. That same belief that he had in Zach Ertz years ago and last year, he has that type of confidence and trust in Fogum at this point. He continues to catch balls. It, it, I mean, that's just what he does. Would the Eagles have a better or worse record with Jameis Winston? It's a good question. Um, Jameis Winston put it up. He put up yards. Period. I mean, he was a yards machine. He's going to put up touchdowns. He'll, he'll have certainly more touchdowns than Carson. The problem is that 
he has that same sickness. He wants to throw the ball so much. He wants to be that gunslinger. Um, but I will say this. I think he, he's probably a better passer at this point than Carson. He put up more touchdowns. Would you rather have Herbert or Oh, Wentz? there's no doubt about it. I'll, I'll take Justin Herbert right now. Would you rather have Burrow or Burrow. Wentz? Burrow. Would you rather have Tua or Wentz? I'm, I'm a, I'll, I'll tell you this. I like to in college. I would like to see a lot more of him in the NFL. It was, it's something Agreed. about his Agreed. release. looks kind of slow. Would you rather have Drew Locke or Wentz? Drew Locke looked good yesterday. I mean, they, they all – Fuck that. Drew Locke's – Burrow, Herbert, and Drew Locke, they almost look the same guy a little bit. But Get out of no, here. No, I'm, that's, the, that's the most egregious thing you've ever said, like, to put look, Drew Locke in the same look, sentence as Herbert other like, than – They look like the same guy. They literally look like oh the, white well, people. No, yeah. <laughs> no. They, they when they stand in the pocket, they look like the same guy. I think he played decent yesterday. He played good enough to win. I'm getting zero joy out of the Eagles, though zero. Well, let me ask you this: zero. What responsibility does Doug Peterson have for what's going on with the Eagles? Because he obviously he has something wrong. The same thing that that, that Brett Brown had wrong with him. He couldn't, Brett Brown couldn't get the best out of his stars, couldn't get Ben Simmons to shoot the dog on ball. And for some reason, Doug Peterson mm. can't get Carson Wentz to say, you know what, I'm just going to tuck it. How about I just take a sack? I'll do that rather than fumble, throw the ball to the other team. What do you think about Doug Peterson and his responsibility? To get well, you know, I've always been a Frank Wright guy. Have you? They've always been a Frank Wright. Yeah, yeah. I look at that. I mean, I you know, that. I was high on the Colts. Look at those babies out there at five and two. Like, I have always said that the the thing that excited me the most about the Eagles and Sixers in the last five years was their willingness to try and innovate, to to um, go all in to win a chip. And they both um, experienced varying levels of success. The Eagles did it with innovation. The Eagles did it with the absence of ego that Doug Peters was able to come in here and surround himself with phenomenal offensive minds and to innovate and to change the way – like. This whole read option thing, I think the Eagles really brought it to this next level that it's at so prevalently right now. The way that they they did it to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, every every fake handoff throw to Ertz, that was it. Um, and then as it's corroded, um, yeah, I think you can absolutely blame the nurt the, the nature surrounding the nurture of of Carson Wentz, but uh, and I also want to say that the offensive line sucks, but. I don't know. It's interesting. So here we are. We're talking about our team that we've abandoned, but we still love in our hearts. And Ingber's team, the Patriots, Mm. that was, it felt like a passing of the torch yesterday. That felt like every year I'm looking up and I'm looking at the records and I'm going, if Cam Newton pulls this out and the Patriots go to three and four and the Bills fall to four and three. This is every year of the AFC East. Just when they think they can get away, the Patriots clip a heel, and now it's just a mess in the AFC East, and somehow the Patriots are going to squeak out. And that fumble, and to see Cam Newton on the sideline crying, and to hear Sean McDermott after the game talking about the people of Western New York have been waiting for this. They've been 0-7 their last seven games. It felt like a passing of a torch. Um, and so, Ingber, I, I guess, one, just checking how you're doing. Two, 
Have you thought about another team for yourself now that they're two and five? I have thought about it. And I want to be very clear about this. I'm not rooting for another team because the Patriots are two and five. It is okay to be two and five after 20 years of greatness. You know what's not okay? Is drawing up a running play from the 50-yard line on third and 12 when you're going against a divisional rival that you need to beat. It's kicking a field goal on third and one with 15 seconds left in the first half. It's, again, running the ball with Rex Burkhead on third and 10 when you need touchdowns. Okay, they lost the game by three and they repeatedly said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and get three instead of seven or we're going to get zero instead of three here. They repeatedly said that because they think that they have Tom Brady that's going to bail them out in the fourth quarter. This was a coaching loss, not just a personnel loss. Okay, if you don't have any confidence in Cam Newton to pick up a first down on third and 12, you don't even let him throw the ball, air it out. Then why is he in the game? Why not just put Jared Stidham in? That's what I don't understand. So I am choosing an NFC team. I was actually able to get a pretty cool – I don't have the celebrity contacts that you guys do, so I was very, very excited that I was able to get a legit celebrity to bless me. You are. You're making – you're picking up an NFC team. I'm picking up an NFC team, okay? And if you don't mind, I have a a voicemail from him. I'm just going to play it for you guys. All right, ready? Yep. Good morning, David. I know things have been rough for you. Uh, Just just hasn't gone the way that you expected. Uh, four losses in a row, Cam sick. fumbling at the end of the game, Bill Belichick not being a savior without Tom Brady. Things have been bad. Uh, I want to officially today welcome you to the Eagles fan club. We've won two games in a row. Oh We're getting the growth just a little bit. We're going to win the NFC East, and we now want to welcome you. Uh, to welcome you in, we got you an official T-shirt. This is from the Super Bowl wow. when we won it against your New England Patriots, to be honest with you. Um, but we now have forgotten all about that. Your old, your past is in the past. We are now here and we're super excited to have you. Welcome. So I didn't want to be exactly like you gentlemen and choose like a 7-0, 8-0 team. I didn't want to choose a Patrick Mahomes that's guaranteed. I want a team that's in the running, but I'm not just going to go with a front runner. I want a team, I want to grid it out with this Eagles team as we ride the Eagles, Carson Wentz and Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham. We ride that team to an NFC East crown, and uh, maybe we knock off one of the big dogs in the first round. You know, I got to say this. As your best friend, I am super proud of you. I mean, <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm more than proud because it's easy for guys to go with the best team. It's easy for guys to go with the defending champions. I mean, that, I think that's kind of corny. If you go with a guy, the team that just won the championship, that's corny. But for you to have enough pride in yourself, enough willpower, enough grit and determination to go with a team that is figuring it out as they go along. Like the Eagles, I appreciate that. Um, Welcome to the Eagles fan club. I also got you something special here. When you you get into the Eagles fan club, you get one of these. Oh, yes. I know the the number may be backwards for you. 36, I see it. Uh Uh-oh, see, he's broken now. But his head does change. And look at that. You see that? His face goes <laughs> Not there. Quite. Oh, there it is. There he is. Amazing. Got a nice Ooh. little face there. Not a- I, uh, I have only one thing to say to this. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I, you got, you're joining the Eagles. I'm an Eagles fan now. They're my NFC team. Man, now I have to care about the Eagles. No, no, no. You guys yeah. wanted to abandon ship. You, you wanted to abandon a first place team with like this is weeks like, left in the season. He just, 
<laughs> we're like pirates that went and ambushed ships and then we we come back to our ship and Ingber's like, I've stolen your ship. <laughs> I just eminent Damn. domained your team. This is now my team. You guys don't get to talk about your Eagles fandom anymore. They're my team. Hey, David, I got to ask you this. How much blame do you put on Bill Belichick, though, for all that's going on up there? And I know that's what he just said. He said it was coaching. I just want to defend one thing really quick. I mean, Edelman, there were no receivers Zero. out there. For Cam Newton. So like, and they had one tight end. This is the Patriots. No, I'm not talking about coaching. I'm talking about the roster. That's what I'm talking. I'm not talking about coaching. I'm not talking about what they're doing on the field. I'm talking about the guys that are on the field. How much blame do you put on them for that? I, I was reading Bart Scott and yeah. he was like, listen, Bill Belichick needs to fire himself. At the but Ingber, but Ingber, don't you think that like, I feel like the Patriots had more COVID opt-outs than they any did. They team. actually led the league with eight COVID opt-outs, including Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, who are two of the absolute anchors on that defense over the last decade or so. And yeah. look, if they had come into the season and said, all right, we lost Tom Brady. We lost some of our big guys. It's COVID. We Remember back in July, we had no idea if there was even going to be an NFL season. If they had just said, like, look, we're going to put our young guys in. We're going to, you know, try to go 2-14, and 14, get a draft pick, like, set ourselves up for the next five years after the season. Every Patriots fan would have been like, you know what? Cool. But they came in. They got Cam Newton. And they had a game plan. They got us excited those first three weeks. They almost beat Seattle. They had just to punch it in from the one-yard line. And so if you're going to say, all right, this this game is real, like this season is real, we're going to go for it, we're going to try to win 10, 11 games and scrape together a playoff performance. Well, if you're going to say that, then you might as well coach like that. And it, it kind of feels like they're neither here nor there right now. I think that Belichick, the coach, I'm hearing everyone say that Belichick, the GM, is doing a disservice to Belichick, mm. the coach. And I'm telling you that Belichick, the coach, is doing a service for Belichick, the GM. Because I think what Belichick has learned is this whole not having Tom Brady thing slash franchise quarterback thing is not great. If you look at the records with and without Brady, it's a disaster. So you know who's already pretty much committed to coming to the NFL? Trevor Lawrence. And I think Belichick said, you know what? We're going to tank for Trevor. And I think that was the fear for all, all the whole league when they were like, oh, the Patriots. If that happens, I really think that it's all Belichick planned. And I think that it's available. I mean, they're going to have to get worse than the Jets. And so Belichick purposely losing the Jets is going to be tough, but he can do it. He faces them twice. <laughs> That's the only thing. They are the only team that is remotely in position to overtake in air quotes the Jets for the worst record because they can lose to them twice that's Westbrook if the Patriots lose to the Jets will you agree with me a little bit that that the tank job is in no I will not (laughs) we give (laughs) way too much credit for nonsense like this we always are saying oh uh, when they lose it's a it's a plan by bill belichick no he bill belichick should have got some receivers last year and brought tom brady back that's what he bill belichick should have did and guess what would have happened he tried some of those guys in my opinion would not have opted out of the covid situation that's just my opinion they would have had a much better team you think they looked around and said oh our team sucks uh yeah that's exactly what they did that was pre-cam Man. That was pre-situation with the you know Cam Newton coming to the team. They saw Jared Stidham. Yeah. 
You did um, mention Belichick's career. We, this was from CBS Sports. He's 224 yeah. and 66 with Brady at the helm and 51 and 66 with anyone else. So an incredible disparity there. You know, it, people could say that Brady was a system co- you know, quarterback. People could say Belichick was a system coach, whatever. It turns out that having one of the best quarterbacks of all time uh, is pretty helpful for your coaching record. <laughs> I just don't think Belichick wants those bad years on his record. I think he... That when he went five and eleven in two thousand, I think he thinks that's gross on his legacy. You look at someone like Mike Tomlin, never had a losing season. Bill Belichick cannot say that he had four pretty bad seasons as a, the head coach of the Browns, and then he mm-hmm. had a couple of clunkers with the Patriots. Now, mm-hmm. man, uh, there was a historic performance yesterday that we need to get Westbrook's take on because he loves this guy. Uh, first player to ever run for over two hundred yards in Lambeau ever is uh, as an opponent, Dalvin Cook. It was, uh, I removed, luckily, all of my fantasy players from that game when I saw a report that there was going to be 40-mile-per-hour gusts of wind. That game and the Cleveland Raiders game, it was just awful to watch, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, But every time I looked over, Dalvin Cook was just running through people. And and it was like, oh, yeah, that's what Dalvin Cook looks like when he's healthy and he takes a week or two off. Um, when, when you see a running back do that, Westbrook, what is it? How does it make you feel on your inside? Makes you feel good. I mean, I, I like Dalvin Cook coming out of college. I went at the Eagles, you obviously, him. to draft them a few years back. They, they you know, just didn't do that. But I, I thought that he could affect the game in the pass game and the run game. And yesterday we saw his ability – First of all, the Packers suck at tackling. I mean, I, I don't know what they were trying to do. They just were turning down opportunities to tackle. Their secondary just can't tackle. And as a running back, once you see that, all it takes is a couple plays to see that. He said, okay, I'm going to run even harder when I get to that second and third level. And you can just see him turning it on once he gets past that, that first line of scrimmage and gets into that secondary. And Dalvin Cook continues to be that guy when healthy that you can trust him to, to carry the ball 25 times a game and throw it to him five or six times a game. You give him 30 touches, he will produce. And for an offense that has two big-time receivers out there with Thielen and uh, Jefferson, uh, uh, Jefferson there, they, they, they have the mm. ability to throw and run the ball. It, it's crazy to me that they don't win more games than they do. But listen, Dalvin Cook is the man. Um, I'm not surprised by anything he did yesterday. The biggest takeaway for me was for a defense that I thought was decent, the Packers defense looked mm. soft yesterday. Absolutely soft. Didn't want to tackle at all. Yeah, I think, you know, we people got very high on the Packers. They they were they they said that the the loss to the Bucks was a fluke uh cuz the picks and then they go and they dominate the Texans. And and they they really didn't score a lot the Texans. So people were like, "Oh, the Packers defense is good." I think that the Packers defense has really been a liability all season. Other than Jair Alexander, who's been like shutting everybody down, who for some reason yesterday they put on Jefferson the entire game, which makes me start to wonder how our team's viewing Thielen and Jefferson around the league compared to how it seems like Thielen is the number one. But uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't look great out there yesterday either. He didn't. And and I look, it's it's cold, but and it was windy as we said, but it, it definitely. That was a huge knock in terms of the NFC, you know, real contenders because I don't think the Vikings are a no. contender, uh, and it and for them to do to just kind of smash the Packers like that is a huge uh, red flag. But I don't know. I know that um, the uh, what was the stat that you had on um, 
I think it was the uh, the Vikings and how they've performed against winning teams versus non-winning teams. The, their effort, they get smashed by the Falcons, but they go toe-to-toe with who this was This was it? Zach Pierce on Twitter. He said, to recap the season so far, the Vikings have played really well against the Titans 5-1, and one, Seahawks 5-1, and one, and Packers 5-1, and one, and got absolutely stomped by the Falcons 2-6. and six. Sure, why not? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's that kind of a year. It's kind of crazy. You know, when I went back and watched that film, I was saying, usually you say, okay, eight guys in the box. We're not going to run. This is a run-stopping defense. But when you play the Packers, it's just not. I mean, it really isn't. And, you know, the, the, the Vikings has had long drives. The first four drives, first drive, 10 plays, 73 yards, 12 plays, 67 yards, 10 plays, 65 yards, four plays, 63 yards. I mean, they were grinding mm-hmm. it out for the first three drives. And with eight men in the box and – Cook just continued to weave through them, through the entire defense. You know, that's one of those times where if you're a defensive player, you got to check your heart. You, I mean, th- th- that's what that is. That's a real gut check. When you get pounded in the run game, that's like a demoralizing. That's, that's Steph Curry pulling up from, the, from half court. There's nothing that you can do. There's mm. no answer for that because now I just got punched in the mouth and there's nothing else I can do uh, but take it at that point. It's uh... – I was just looking up. I saw that Avery Williamson, former guest of the show, uh, he pulled a Muhammad Sanu from last year. Remember Muhammad Sanu was on the Falcons and they were like, oh, and mm-hmm. seven. And then he got traded to the Patriots at seven and oh, Avery Williamson goes from the oh, and seven Jets to the seven and oh, uh, Brian Westbrook, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's got to be such a good feeling. And he gets teamed up with Bud Dupree. I remember that they were teammates at uh, Kentucky yeah, together. Yeah. yeah go from worst to first. I mean, that, that, that's what you want to do. And how happy are you just to be out of New York, man? Oh, my goodness. A, a franchise that has just – How does Adam Gay still have a job? I don't know. I don't know how he has a job. I have no clue. Well, or, or maybe it's this. Maybe they say if we fire him, or we might actually win a game. So let's just keep losing, keep him in place, keep losing – and then mm. the other part, the other part that I, you got to think of towards the end of the season, you know, some of these coaches, they'll be available. And that's when you start talking to them. I, I, there's no way he makes it through the entire season. I love that Westbrook has reached the point where even he now is conspiracy theories. <laughs> and I we love brought it. him over to the dark uh, side. Yeah. Uh, I just want to do an early look ahead because I think week nine has some really, in Ingber's words, spicy matchups. So if I may, uh, beyond the fact that we're going to learn a lot about either the Packers or Niners, six, six and one, excuse me, seven and one, no, six and one Seahawks taking on the six and two Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, uh, one o'clock game, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, you seem to make it seem like it's not that big of a deal, Westbrook. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not sold on the Bills at all, even after this weekend. Well, if the Josh Allen offense is going to open up, it'll be against that Yeah, defense. that defense will probably give it up a little bit. But I, I'm not sold on the Bills by any means. I I, I still have some big-time questions about Josh Allen, even though he was early in the year just, just killing it. They got the run game going this past yeah. weekend. Singletary was in Moss. He had a good game. Uh, they, got the, they got that going yeah, a little Zach bit, Moss, which, two which, touchdowns. Uh, which helps him out of a bunch. But – there are some questions. I mean, they got some questions at the quarterback position. If he can't be accurate, if he can't throw the ball to the guys in his jersey, mm. it's going to be an issue for that team. Number, another 1 o'clock game. It is the moving of the Baltimore Colts to Indianapolis. It is 5-2 and two Ravens, 5-2 and two Colts. 
coming out there. Colts defense, uh, I watched that game with Detroit intently. Other than a blocked punt by Detroit, which they turned into a touchdown, and then the first drive of the second half, Matt Stafford and that offense did mm-hmm. nothing. And so it'll be an interesting test with Darius Leonard in the middle versus Lamar Jackson. I think about those old Ravens-Colts matchups when it was Peyton Manning versus Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. And what excites me about this one is the opposite. It's Lamar Jackson trying to go side to side in a dome. Seeing Lamar in a dome is going to be very exciting to see how fast he is with Darius Leonard trying to mirror him. We'll learn a lot about who's for real in that matchup, I think. Where do you lean in that one? Who can get the fast start? I mean, after the Ravens lost this past weekend, I think that was a humbling loss for them as a football team because they went up against one of the best teams, obviously, in the division. And now um, they they have lost to who they lose to the Chiefs as well as the Steelers, two of the best teams in, in, yep. the, in the NFL. And now you have to start checking yourself like, okay, we thought we were one of the best. Now we're not. This is going to be a gut check how they respond. You know, if, if I had a money to bet – uh, I would think that John Harbaugh's team responds well. But listen, if Phillip Rivers and that offense get out to a quick start, that can change the whole game plan for the Ravens. That's why you have to wonder about uh, – And we're going we're gonna to learn too because whoever's filling in for Ronnie Stanley left tackles facing Justin oh, yeah. Houston. So we'll see how they, that holds up. Bears face the Titans 5-3, five 5-2. And five and we can learn a lot there. Raiders, Chargers, I feel like they're always fun. I love this one. Dolphins, Cardinals. To a second game versus Kyler against that defense. The Dolphins, Brian Flores continues to show himself to be the one Belichick disciple that can win with defense and special teams. It's like he took all of the elements that made the Patriots great and took it to Miami. As Peter King wrote in Football Morning in America, uh, the D-line of the Dolphins has been huge. So Kyler versus that D-line after a bye I think is exciting. And then we get another matchup of Saints-Bucks, both of them 5-2. and two. We'll see how the Bucks do on Monday night. But uh, of all those games, uh, Westbrook, which one do you think is going to be the game of the week other than Patriots-Jets Monday night football? A combined 2-13. and 13. The battle for Trevor. That, that's what that's all about. Um, you, you have to. That's when we're going to see if Belichick is tanking. We're going to see, if, and it's really going to come down. Are, are you going to trade Gilmore? Are you going to trade anyone? And I mean, obviously, Gilmore was out this week with a mysterious knee injury. I, I, you know, it's a wonder if they have a trade already um, in in the cards here. But we'll see in the next couple of hours, maybe twenty next twenty four hours. I, you have to look at the Bucks Saints. Um, I think the Bucks win tonight. Um, I, I want to see how they do against the Saints, see if the Saints can do anything different. Where's Mike Thomas? Is he coming back to play football this year? Um, Supposed to, I, I yes. I want to see what he's going to do, that relationship with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And I, I also want to see – Yeah, pretty wild the Saints are 4-0 and in the last four games without Michael yeah, it's Thomas. it's kind of weird, right? You're starting to wonder what's going on there. But I, I, I want to see how good the, the Bucks are and if they can keep things rolling. Biggest thing for me. Ingber, which of those, of all the matchups I said, which one would you be hoping Scott Hansen tunes in the most on on Red Zone? It's easy to say Brady versus Breeze, just because that's very exciting to see two legends go at it like that. But we're going to see that a lot. Um, I think the Tua versus Kyler could be really fun. I, I really think they like kept the training wheels on Tua this past week. They were like, all right, don't make too many mistakes. Our defense can win this game. They were up 28-10 before you could blink. I think this is the game where they say, all right, Tua, you've gotten a little taste. You've been in the NFL for a couple weeks now. Let's see what you got. And they start throwing some 
How, how did you guys never really told me how you felt about Tua? I mean, I know he didn't have to do much in this game. What's your what's your gut feeling? Arm strength, delivery, speed, all those things as far as his, his capability in the NFL. I believe that um, him being left-handed is an advantage in the beginning of his career um, because I feel he's the only active quarterback in the NFL that is left-handed. And there were so many times where it would be a snap throw to the left and the corner was like not ready yeah. for it at all. And I think they eventually adjust to that. Um, he looks really tiny out there. Uh, Aaron Donald had a sack one time and I was like, this guy's going to get broken in half. I really didn't see him run. So I really didn't get to, I, I wanted to see if it looked like he could separate from defenders He's not Kyler. because when he you're have no, that type of speed, no. no. And so, um, I just kept going while wow, he looks really tiny and I didn't see any throws. Uh, he had a few throws to the outs where I was like, nice zip. But he didn't have any throws where I was like, whoa. And I, Herbert and Burrow were just so masterful that I know that I, I shouldn't be comparing them. They, even though they took Tua before Herbert, right? Herbert was yeah, Tua was the fifth pick. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, like that, they, they should hope it's Trey Young Luca. They should hope it's that close because I don't think it's going to be. I, I just didn't see anything from Tua yesterday where I was like, "That's the the potential." So I'm just I'm I'm missing it. I I don't see it yet. Do you? I want to see more. I want to see more. I, I I think that he has a long way to go. And I think yesterday when you watched that game, he he was the game was under control early on because of the the the, the, the yeah it's hard and things like that. So it was uh it was it's hard to really judge him at this point. Ingber thoughts on facing Tua twice a year. Uh, I was hoping the Patriots would somehow tank and get him. I don't know. <laughs> a couple of years ago in the, when he was setting crazy records in college and Tom Brady was possibly nearing the end of his career, there was some like tank for Tua talk in Massachusetts. So I was like, you know what? That would be great. I'll, he'll be my quarterback for the next 20 years. That'd be amazing. Uh, I, I'm a fan. I think with a, with a potential career-ending injury, it's just cool to see a guy out there healthy. Um, and... Mm. He came in in his first start and he got a win. And I think that's the only thing he would have wanted before the game. I don't think he would have cared about throwing for 300 yards or running for a touchdown or throwing for two touchdowns or whatever it would have been. He wanted to get a W and he got a W. So he's one and oh as a starter now. And now you face next week. Yeah. It may take well, when it comes time to, to prospecting, to I don't give a fuck about the wins. Blake Bortles won a lot of games <laughs> and I try to tell everybody for three. Sure. We try to tell everybody for three years. I'm just saying in week wins. one, we can give a little bit of an allowance and totally. say, dude, you got to win. Good oh. for you. I, I don't think to me that game should not be analyzed positive right. or negative. It's just it's such a punt return, fumble return. N none of the situations make no, sense. No, it should be analyzed as a positive because he brought something to that team. He, they play with a different type of zip. The guys around, uh, but not his play. Well, they were also after yeah, a bye maybe, against maybe. A, a Rams team on a. a 10 a.m. start, maybe, but I, but know I think mean. he when, when you when you get that type of guy in your lineup, that gives you something else. That's the feel that he gives, and I think that you have to account for that as well. Not only I just realized this: there's a lot of great games next week. There's a lot of shitty games that will impact Tank for truer. Which of these is the worst one? One in six Texans versus the one in six Jaguars, the one in six Giants against the two and five football team. And then the one, as I said before, the two and five Patriots and the zero and eight Jets. Like those are huge games. 
for the tank for Trevor. Someone's going to end up with two wins, right? When you when the Texans and the Jaguars face each other, yeah. one of those teams, unfortunately, will end up with two wins. I think the most important game... I would take Texans over the Jaguars. But. I, I think the Giants-Washington game is the most important. For me as an Eagles fan, I'll be uh, keeping my <laughs> Hawkeyes on that. I think Washington has an outside chance of winning the doggone division is, is the way I think of Washington at this point. They have a good defense. I think they'll figure out a way to run the ball with Gibson. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put them completely out of my mind as far as winning the division. You're right. And what's funny is when you think of all of those teams, Washington's the only team trying to tell their players they don't want to be traded. The Texans reportedly sending Will Fuller to the Packers. The Jaguars, Gardner Minshew's not our guy. What are we going to do? New backup. The Giants just completely falling apart. Washington's telling Ryan Kerrigan, we don't want to trade you. The Patriots have Stephon Gilmore on the block, and the Jets literally just traded Avery Williamson. Washington's the one team going, believe us, we can win the division. We want the banner. Like, let's get it up. You're right. Washington's the one team where I feel like they're taking oh, yeah. it seriously, yeah. which is kind of more pathetic. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, Ingber, a surprise as always. You guys just... And what's more fucked up is that for people that, that don't listen to our conversations before the show, because you can't, Westbrook literally said, yeah, surprise, Adam. He likes surprises. <laughs> and then you have one already locked and loaded in the trigger. Yeah. It's good. In the chamber. Uh, welcome to being an Eagles Thank fan. you. I'm very excited to be here. When, Westbrook, when do we give him his tattoo? Um, he already has. You didn't tell him that all Eagles fans have to get tattooed? Yeah. Well, I'll just have to grow a big neck beard then. I'll just do go full Donovan McNabb. I guess it's uh, on brand. <laughs> For Brian Westbrook, the Rocky Man. This, we all get excited. Look, Westbrook leads forward. For David Ingber, this election will be decided by people who are on the fence about voting or not voting. If you want something to do today, text and call all of your apathetic friends and get them to vote. Are you going to do that? I've been texting and calling any friend of mine that I wasn't 100% sure was voting. I have been texting and calling them for weeks. There you go. Were they offended that you thought of them as a possible not voter person? No, they know who they are. Or were they more offended that you were texting them, calling them friends, and they weren't friends with you to begin with? (laughs) What I told them was, I think it's very important that you vote. And one of them actually responded and said, well, what if I don't vote the way that you want me to vote? I said, I want 100% of eligible people in this country to vote. And I think we would have a much more representative government if that happened. Mm. And I'm the LEF Coe, man, and ditto. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs>